Yo, 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 good afternoon and happy Tuesday, everybody. Welcome to episode 185 of Sports Takes Galore. I'm your gracious and humble host, Gabe, and thank you again for listening. Another Tuesday, another football recap and takeaways episode, as I'll do a recap of the action from week six in the NFL, along with my takeaways from week six in the NFL. And I'll also do a recap of the action from week seven in college football, along with my takeaways from week seven in college football, coming up on the other side. Stay tuned. Now, without further ado, let's get episode 185 started, where I'm going to start my opening takes, of course, in the NFL. We're going to start with week six. There are two major upsets in week six in the NFL, and I'm going to start with my 49ers versus the Cleveland Browns. The Cleveland Browns barely squeaked by my Niners, 19 to 17. The Niners had a chance and missed a game-winning field goal as time ran out. Now, I got to give kudos to the Cleveland Browns. It was Their defense basically won this game. I mean, they held, a, they held the Niners in check for the most part. And, of course, it did help that, you know, the Niners lost two of their best players. Debo Samuel, who went out, I mean, early in the first half with a shoulder injury. And Christian McCaffrey, you know, he went out. And then he came back and then went out again. What now is described as an, an oblique injury and a rib injury. They still don't know the extent of the injury, Debo's day-to-day. But the defense for the, for the Browns, for the most part, held the, the Niners' running game in check and made it hard for Brock Purdy. And, of course, the defense for the Niners, they did everything they could, but, you know, but since the offense didn't put enough points, the defense had, had to play a lot harder. But in the end... It was all. It was just not meant to be for the Niners. They didn't play well enough to win this game. P.J. Walker, who was a third-string quarterback in this game, he had 192 yards. They were able to pick him off twice, but it was the running game. It was the run defense of the Niners that failed them in this game. The Browns, as a team, had 174 yards. And I'm sorry, 160 yards on the ground. And prior to that, nobody's been running, been able to run much on the um, Niners' defense. Jermaine Ford, I'm sorry, 84 yards rushing. Kareem Hunt, 47 yards on a touchdown. Amari Cooper had 108 yards receiving. And Brock Purdy had his worst game in his young career. He had 125 yards. Only completed 12 of 27 passes, one touchdown, one interception. Christian McCaffrey was held to 43 yards rushing. Jordan Mason had 27 yards. And Brandon Ayuk had 76 yards. Should have had more than that, but, you know, um, Purdy missed him on a couple of throws. And he, of course, dropped a couple. Jawan Jenkins, 26 yards. Debo didn't have any catches. Kittle was quiet. Only one catch for a yard. So for the Browns, I mean, this was a big win for them. 
because hey, they're they're three and two. They're still hanging in there in the in their division in the AFC North with the um Baltimore Ravens, the Cincinnati Bengals, and the Pittsburgh Steelers. So it's gonna be interesting to see what happens when they get Deshaun Watson back. As for my Niners, this is their first loss of the season. This is their first regular season loss in 15 games. But this is one of those games that they probably needed needed. And I'll talk more about that in my takeaways. But I believe they'll bounce back. I mean, so far, we got Debo as day-to-day, so there's a chance he'll play Monday night. Trent Williams, who also got hurt in this game, he's day-to-day with an ankle injury. He, he went out and came back in. We still don't know anything about Christian McCaffrey. I guess we'll know more about that, hopefully, in the next day or two. Now let's move on to the Jets versus the Philadelphia Eagles. The Eagles came into this game undefeated. But the Jets was able to pull off the upset 20-14. It was the Jets' defense that won this game for them. The Jets picked off Jalen Hurts three times in this game. The, the Jets' offense, didn't have, I mean, they, they, did what they, they did as much as they could. But their problem the whole game was they were terrible in the red zone. The only, they, they were coming away with field goals. And not touchdowns. The only touchdown they had was at the end of the game when the when the Eagles allowed them to score just so they can preserve time. Zach Wilson only had 186 yards, no touchdowns, but most importantly, no interceptions. Brees Hall had 39 yards rushing. He had the lone touchdown. And on the receiving end, Garrett Wilson 90 yards re- receiving. Brees Hall 54 yards. On the Eagles' side, Jalen Hurts had those three interceptions. He had one touchdown, 280 yards. He also led the league, the team in rushing in one touchdown with 47 yards. DeAndre Swift was held in check. He only had 18 yards rushing. A.J. Brown was probably the bright spot for the Eagles, 131 yards receiving. Devontae Smith, 44 yards. Dallas Garbert, 42 yards. Devontae for Swift, 40 yards. For the Jets, this was a game-saving win. A, not only a game-saving win, that is. I'm talking about a season-saving victory. They are now three and three. So there's still there's there still is a chance, but they're gonna move fast. Because right now. They're, they're probably like, what, third in the, um, the, the AFC East division behind Buffalo and behind the Miami Dolphins. Here's their schedule coming up. They have the Giants, the Chargers, the Raiders, and the Bills, and the Dolphins. So the next five games could possibly determine whether they have a chance to even squeak into the playoffs as a wild card or... They're gonna go. They're gonna go up and smoke, and just have to get ready for next season when Aaron Rodgers is there. All right, let's move on to the Cincinnati Bengals versus the Seattle Seahawks. 
in a game that the Bengals needed to win. And the Bengals was able to pull off a 17-13 victory. It looks like the um, Bengals are back. They're now at 3-3, so they're a 500 team. So we're going to see what they're going to do going forward. Joe Burrow had 185 yards, two touchdowns, one interception. Joe Mixon had only 38 yards receiving. Jamar Chase, 80 yards receiving. Tyler Boyd, 38. Joe Mixon, 24. And T. Higgins, 20. Geno Smith had 323 yards passing, but had two interceptions, and he was sacked quite a few times in this game. I mean, he, he was sacked four times in this game. Kenneth Walker had 62 yards rushing and a touchdown. Tyler Lockett, 94 yards. DK Metcalf, 69 yards. And he was pretty frustrated. I mean, he he got he, he got himself an unsportsmanlike penalty because he was frust- frustrated that he wasn't getting the ball enough. For the Bengals... This, this puts them, I think, third in their division. St- no, they're actually still um, last in their division behind Baltimore, behind the Steelers, and behind the Cleveland Browns. But if they can keep if they can keep it roll if they can keep it rolling, we all know what the Bengals can do once they get in the playoffs. I mean, here's what they have coming up on their schedule. And their schedule is pretty tough. These next five games. So these next five games are going to determine whether the Bengals can keep it rolling, or they're going to. Or, or this is just now. Now that they've reached their peak for this year, they're going to start falling. Here's what they have: they have a bye week. Then they play my 49ers, the Buffalo Bills, the Texans. Talk more about the Texans in my takeaways. The Ravens and the Steelers. So these next five games are going to determine whether they can continue on a roll, or they're going to, or they're going to, or they're going to go down and not and miss the playoffs. So it will be interesting to see. Let's move on to Detroit versus the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. The Tampa Bay Buc, the um, Detroit Lions won this matchup twenty to six in Tampa, and this was this was a hard fought game. I mean, it was close throughout. Both these defenses played well. I mean, it was only 10-3 to 3 at halftime. But the Lions was able to put 10 more points in the quarter where, where Tampa Bay can only put up three. Jared Goff had 353 yards, two touchdowns, no interceptions. They didn't get much in the, they didn't get much in the running game, though. I mean, they only had 40 yards um, rushing, but Tampa Bay wasn't much better with 46. And um, Amon Ross St. Brown, I thought he was out for this game, but he obviously played, had a big game, 12 receptions, 124 yards, one touchdown. Jameis Williams, 53 yards, one touchdown. For Tampa, Baker Mayfield had 206 yards, no touchdowns, a pick. And as I stated, they only had 46 yards rushing. So none of these teams could run the football effectively. 
Chris Godwin had 77 yards. Mike Evans, 49 yards. For the Lions, they are now 5-1. They are tied with my 49ers and the Eagles as the be- having the best record in the um, NFL. I think the Dolphins are also 5-1 too, so I need to put them there. So imagine that. Now you have... And especially in the NFC, you have my Niners, the Eagles, and the Lions, who are right now have the inside track to having home field advantage throughout the playoffs. But it's only six games in, so anything can change. But right now, you got to like the Lions. For Tampa, I mean, they, they surprisingly have, st- have played good to start out these first six weeks. Now, where they go from here, we're gonna wait. We're gonna we're gonna wait and see. I mean, Baker Mayfield has actually played better than probably most of us thought he would. I know I didn't think he would play that well, but hey, it looks like he's he's very comfortable with the offense. But they need to put together some consist more consistency if they're gonna be successful. Now let's move on to Monday Night Football where the Dallas Cowboys took on the L.A. Chargers. Now, the um, Dallas Cowboys pulled out a 20-17 victory. This game, for the most part, was very was, was an offensive game, particularly in the first half. I mean, both of these defense came to play. And it's, it's, it was a struggle for both of these offenses. So, but kudos to the Dallas defense. They made they made they made the plays when it counted the most. The offense for the um, Dallas Cowboys they didn't have to do much. I mean, Dak Prescott he had a pretty good game. He had 272 yards, one touchdown, no interceptions. Pollard had 40. And that 30 yards rushing, and Dak Prescott even had 40 yards rushing, including that one touchdown. CeeDee Lamb had 117 yards. Tony Pollard, 80 yards. Brandon Cooks, 36 yards. Now for the um, Chargers, Justin Herbert, 227 yards, two touchdowns, one interception. They didn't get anything in the running game. Austin Ackerlar, who just coming back from injury, only had 27 yards. And as a team, they had 53 yards rushing. That ain't going to get it done. Keenan Allen, 85 yards and one touchdown. Joshua Palmer, 60 yards. Austin Ackerlar, 35 yards. For the Cowboys, this was a good bounce-back victory after getting demolished by my Niners last week. Now, for the, the Cowboys needed this win because another loss, and I think um, it'd be some panic. And, and, of course, you'd have to go check on their fans after that tongue-in-cheek. But we'll see what the Cowboys do, you know, going, you know, going forward. As, let's, as, as we look at their, their schedule coming up, here's what they have. They have the Rams... And they have a bye week, and then they have the Rams. Then they have their arch rival, the Eagles, the first of two matchups. The Giants, the Panthers, and the Washington Commanders. So we're going to see what they do 
in these next um couple of games. I mean, I'm, I'm looking at the Giants and the, and the Panthers as victories. The Rams and the um, Eagles, those are going to be tough. And don't sleep on the Washington Commanders. I mean, they'll, they've, they've been hot and cold, but... I mean, they, they can they can play they can they can hang with anybody on any given any given Sunday. So let's watch out for to see what the Cowboys do in these next five games. Now let's go to my takeaways from Week Six in the NFL. First takeaway: It's a good thing that there are no undefeated teams in the NFL left. I mean, yeah, going undefeated is an awesome feat, but it doesn't guarantee success. Ask the 2007 New England Patriots. They went 18-0 throughout the regular season and the playoffs, and they lost the most important game of the um, season. That was the Super Bowl to the New York Giants. So that's why teams that, that they undefeated, the 49ers and the Eagles losing, is not a bad thing. And both teams have recognized that if you listen to their players and their and, and their um, locker rooms. The Eagles had a, um, a meeting that includes Jalen Hurts and the rest of the guys in their locker room stating that we all need to be held accountable, including me. My guy, Fred Warner, he even said, this is... This loss is, is, is a silver lining. Saying that we, we needed to be battle tested. And now we need to go back and watch the film and get better from it. Let me have a look. One of the things that was said by a legendary Duke head coach, Mike Krzyzewski, once said, you learn more from a loss than you do a victory. So the fact that there's no undefeated team in the, in the NFL is a good thing. My second takeaway. Here's a couple of differences, I believe, between the Detroit Lions, my Niners, and the Eagles. Let's start with the Lions. The Lions have been winning games. They've been scrapping. I mean, they, they're, not, they're not finesse. They're not blowing teams out. But they're, they're just coming in here hard-nosed, playing for 60 minutes, and winning games. Jared Goff looks like the Jared Goff of the first couple of years of Sean McVay's um, tenure. As for the Eagles, even though the Eagles have been or five and one, they, they actually could have two or three losses by now. I mean, they've been barely squeaking out victories. I mean, except for that Rams game where I thought they played their best football. But that game with Washington, that was a that was a close one. I mean, that first game with the Patriots, first game of the season, was a lot closer than, you know, anticipated, looking at where the Patriots are now. I mean, they barely got out of the Vikings. So, I would say that the Eagles, like I said, they should, they really could be 3-2 and two right now. And now for my Niners... Up until last week, they've been dominating teams. I mean, they've been scoring 30 or more points in each of their games. Prior to this game, the only team that, you know, hung in there with the Niners 
was the, was the Los Angeles Rams. So that's my that's why I say the difference between the three teams and the NFC, who have the, I believe the inside track right now to home field advantage throughout the playoffs, barring anything changes. Third takeaway: the the Houston Texans. What is the possibility of them being a sleeper team this season? That's right. Now, when the season first start, you know, you have new coach, my guy, D'Amico Ryans. Kudos to him. You got a new quarterback, a rookie, and C.J. Stroud. And you figure it'd be some growing pains. But the Houston Texans are 3-3. Three and three, And they're second in their division in the AFC South. They lost the first two games, but since then, they've won three three of the last four games. And including a division win over the Jacksonville Jaguars. And CJ Stroud, he's only thrown one interception so far this season, and of course the first of his career. And Miko Ryans has got these guys playing. But it's going to be interesting to see what they do in the next, I'd say, five games. I'll give them five games to see if there's a chance. But if they can win at least maybe three out of five or even four of the five, we might, teams in the AFC might need to watch out. Because here's who do they have. They have the Panthers, the Buccaneers, the Bengals, the Cardinals, and the Jags again. So if they can at least pull out three of those five wins and possibly get to, you know, six and um six and five, maybe, and they, they might have a shot of maybe squeaking in the playoffs. But but again, kudos to Miko Ryans and this staff for putting for putting for putting this team together. Not only for this year, but I believe for years to come. Final, here's my final takeaway. Anthony Richardson's out for the season for the um, Indianapolis Colts. It is said that he he's opting, opting to get surgery on his um on his shoulder where has an AC joint. Here's a here's a here's a problem. I don't I think the Colts bear um culpability for why um, Anthony Richardson is out. Now, Anthony Richardson um, has to recognize himself that he's not at Florida anymore. He's in the NFL. All that, all that, all that running he's been doing has been getting him hurt. It seems like every game he's played since he's been in the NFL, he's got some kind of ailment. Now, I get it. I mean, everybody has some kind of ailment, but he's just on the injury report every week. So now it has finally caught up to him. And now... He may have to get um, shoulder surgery, which will end his season. Of course, another reason I blame the Colts because they didn't trade Jonathan Taylor. They didn't want to. Pay, they were thinking about possibly trading him, and he could have been a great safety blanket for for Anthony Richardson. So, let's just hope that you know this is, the surgery goes well. You know, he gets ready for season two. But I think hopefully 
that not only that the Colts surround him with some, some playmakers and an offensive line, that Anthony Richardson will learn to throw to, to be a pot to, um be a better um, quarterback throwing the football. I mean, it's good to be an athletic um, quarterback, but also you you're not you're the franchise guy, and they're putting a lot. The Colts have put a, a lot of investment in you, so it's time for you to stay upright. All right, that's it for my. NFL segment. Now let's move to college football. Let's start with the what possibly you can argue is the game of the year in college football, and that's the Oregon Ducks facing the Washington Huskies. Now this game, as expected, was high scoring because I did I predicted Oregon forty to thirty seven. But Washington ended up winning this game 36-33. The um, Oregon Ducks had a chance to tie the game at the end, but missed the field goal. I mean, especially in the first half, it was a, it was a, it was a seesaw battle in the first half. I mean, offenses were going up and down the field. So it was good offense. It wasn't bad, it wasn't bad defense. Michael Penix Jr. had 302 yards, four touchdowns, one interception. Dylan Johnson had 100 yards rushing and one touchdown. Rome Dunze, I think I said that right. If I didn't, my apologies. His best receiver had 128 yards and two touchdowns. Jalen Polk Polk had um, 118 yards and one touchdown. On the other side, Bo Nix had 337 yards, two touchdowns. Bucky Irvin had 127 yards, one TD. And Jordan James had 63 yards, one TD. Troy Franklin, 154 yards and a touchdown. And Tess Johnson, 71 yards. For Oregon, I mean, for um, Washington, this boost, this puts them at number five. So they're... They're just on the outside of the college football playoff. Because we all know that they go with the first four teams. But this is a big win for them. And this this could go a long way when, when it's time for them to start releasing those, those um, college football num, um, playoff, num, um, playoff teams and the standings. Now for Oregon, they're not completely out of it yet. But they're gonna they're gonna need to win the rest of the way. And win the Pac-12 and even have a shot to win, to even get close to the college football playoffs. Because here's what they here's what they have going forward. They have Utah. Um, well, they got Washington State. I'm sorry. Then they have the Ute, Utah Utes. They got Cal, USC, Arizona, and Oregon State. They arch right. They um in-state rival. So if they can win all those games and win the Pac-12, then they'll have a shot. Now, going back to Washington one more time, let's look at their schedule going forward. They have Arizona State next week. They have Stanford, USC, Utah, Oregon State, and Washington State. So if they can win all those games and work the Pac-12, they're going to definitely get in to the college football playoff. 
Now let's go to Notre Dame versus USC. Now one of the things I did say, even though I picked um, USC to win this game, one of the things I did say was their defense has been playing terrible the last couple of weeks. And I said, it's going to catch up to them because Khalid Williams is not going to always save them. And guess what? Khalid was not able to save them in this game because he looked awful in this game. He had three interceptions in this game. It was almost like he wasn't even seeing the, he wasn't reading the defenses, wasn't seeing the field. But kudos to the Notre Dame defense for stifling Khalid Williams. I mean, Sam Hartman in this game had 126 yards, two touchdowns. Esteman had 95 yards and two TDs. And and Chris Tari had a hundred. No, sorry, he had um 62 yards and one TD. But as for um Khalid Williams in this game, like I say, he had three interceptions, one touchdown, 199 yards. Marshawn Lloyd, 46 yards, rushing. Michael Jackson III had 51 yards. Taj um, Washington, his best receiver, only had 41 yards and got nothing from Brandon Rice, the son of Jerry Rice. Now for Notre Dame, I mean, they're not, they're not getting in no bowl, so the only thing they can hope for is just, you know, a, a bowl appearance. And that because, you know, they done lost two games, so they're not going to get into it. As for USC... The only way they can even sniff a college, I mean, college football playoff, is they're gonna win, have to win the rest of their games in the um, in the Pac-12 championship to even have a chance. And their schedule is brutal. Afterwards, I mean, they got Utah next week, Cal, Washington, and Oregon, and UCLA. That's a tough schedule. So they can either go up or they can go down. Let's move on to another um, good matchup. I wish I had talked about this this matchup um, on the Friday preview show. But let's go to North Carolina taking on the Miami Hurricanes. And this was a pretty this was a pretty interesting game. But the but the um, North Carolina um, Tar Heels won this matchup 41-31. It was, it was a, the North Carolina defense came up with the turnovers ne- needed to help them win this game. I mean, Drake um, May had four touchdowns, 273 yards. O'Marion Hampton had 197 yards rushing in one touchdown. And Devontae Walker, 132 yards and three touchdown receptions. Taylor Van Dyke for the Miami Dolphins. He had 394 yards, four touchdowns, and he had two interceptions. Of course, most of those yards he got was in um, cleanup because they were actually because and in, in the third quarter, the North Carolina Tar Heels ran off 21 points in the four in the fourth in the third quarter. 
Henry Parrish only had 73 yards. And Jacoby um, George, 125 yards and a touchdown. For North Carolina, they are now, they're still undefeated in the ACC. So right now, they have a chance to go to the ACC championship this year. And possibly take on Florida State. I mean, their schedule looks like this. I mean, the only other the only other team that they had, well, they only, they only got two teams that looks like they um that could give them um issues, and that's Duke and possibly Clemson. But after that, they should be able to win, beat Virginia, Georgia Tech, Campbell, and well, then again, North Carolina State might be a tough one because it's an in-state rival. Now for Miami. Their season's done. They're, they're not going anywhere. I mean, they're 0-2 in the um, ACC. So, they're, 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 the most they can hope for is a bowl game. But they're not going anywhere to, I mean, in the ACC this year. Now, let's um, end with my takeaways from the college, from week um, 7 in college football. First takeaway... We need to start with Georgia. Even though Georgia now, of course, is still number one, but it's going to be interesting to see how they how they're going to look the next couple of games because now they they've suffered a major loss. One of their best players, Brock Bowers, their they are all all world tight end, suffered a high ankle injury, and they say he could miss. Four to six weeks. So you know what you know what that means. I mean, he affects most of their offense. Now we all know Georgia. You know they have they have a lot of good players. They play good defense. So you would think ain't much to worry about. But we're gonna see what they, what happens with Georgia going forward. Because now they got the they're gonna have to play this game without their best player and their schedule does not get any better their schedule down the stretch gets tougher here's what they have going forward they have I mean Florida I mean looks to be a lot tougher of course they got a bye week so that's going to help them and Missouri is actually looking better than expected Ole Miss is still there Tennessee might be tough We'll see what Tennessee does against Alabama coming up this week. And, of course, Georgia Tech. So it's going to be interesting to see how they um how they move the rest of the way. Second takeaway. Who is the leading candidate now for the Heisman Trophy? I'm going to go with Michael Penix Jr. I think after this, after a big win like this, I think I, I think it's I think right now he's the leader. I mean, you could you could put um you know Bo Nix and all the other guys, but I think I think we need I think Michael Penix Jr. is the leader right now as far as um Heisman tro- as as winning the Heisman Trophy. I mean, he's been, he's been putting up some big time numbers. He's only got. He's got 20 touchdowns and three interceptions. He has um, 2,301 yards passing. 
I mean, Bo Nix is still playing good ball. I mean, despite the loss. So I probably have to put him second. In the Heisman, in the Heisman Trophy. I was going to, like I said, put Brock Bowers in there. But now that he got injured, that kind of kills his chances. Third takeaway in college football. Uh, let's, let's go to Colorado here. I mean, what a disappointing loss that was. I mean, they were up 29 to nothing. I'm turning off the game and said, nah, they should have this one wrapped up. Because Stanford had no offense whatsoever. They couldn't do nothing against this poor defense of um, Colorado. That is until the second half. I turned on, turn on the TV. I turned on the scores or the internet, whatever I, I turned on. And I saw 46 to 43. I'm like, you're kidding me. And as I look out, read and figure out what happened, it was almost like the Colorado Buffaloes stopped playing. I mean, penalties, you know, turnovers. It was like, what's, ha- what's happened? I think what it is, it's, it's finally, it's finally, it's finally, it's finally came down for these kids. I think, they, you know, they've been, they, they, they're enjoy, they were enjoying the limelight for, for a portion of college, of, the, of this college football season. But now things are going bad. And now it looks like all that, all that fanfare has gotten, has gotten to them. But just like I said, this is year one. Dion and Coach Prime, Dion Sanders is gonna be fine. I mean, this 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 these kind of losses are gonna happen. But of course, they're not. I don't I don't believe that's gonna happen often for them. But I believe what happens is these all all that fanfare has finally gotten to these kids, and now they've they've cracked they've cracked under the pressure. But. They'll make, it'll make them better next season. So, like I said, go through go through it now, and as I say, get D, get Coach Prime while you can now, because in a couple of years, they're gonna be a powerhouse. Now, this will conclude the college football segment and episode 185 of Sports Takes Galore. I'm your humble host, Gabe. Thank you again for listening. Thank you again for downloading. I appreciate it very much. You can follow this podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google, or wherever you stream your podcasts. You can follow me on Twitter at GGSports13 and follow my Facebook page with Gabe. I'd like to thank everyone for listening, downloading. Have a wonderful afternoon, and I'll talk to you again on Friday. Bye-bye.